Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Tell the Jedi there will be no substitution. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Tell the Jedi there will be no soup. There will be no soup for them. <laughs> Hi, and welcome everyone to Unsheathed number 67. I'm Kyle Gold, and I'm joined here back in our discreet mountain bunker location, um, not only by my ever-present co-host, Cam Hirosaki, what is up? But also by our special guest, Don Ryu. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We're ever so delighted to have you on the podcast. Thank you for kidnapping me. Where am I? (laughs) It's secret, and it's discreet. Oh, boy. No one can. Don't hear worry, it's screen. discreet. Like in one of those alternate uh, magazines or newspapers. <laughs> I don't feel safe. At straight all. male seeking straight male for discreet fun. There's all, nothing all straight about that. that. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Back page of the those ads where there was always that one in big bold font: "Safe sex, get paid." <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, that was running for like ten years. Never did figure out what that was about. Oh, Never got an answer either, the, apparently. The, the best were always like the prison personals ads. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of prison, uh, we're back from Las Vegas. Yes. We had a wonderful time there. We found a werewolf machine, which was quite entertaining to all of us. It was. And uh, and lucrative for some. I've uh, learned not to trust the Arctic Fox machines. Just like they never do right by me. Oh, uh, you have to learn how to play them. I think I figured it out this time. You, Those Arctic foxes are sneaky. Do you have to, like, tickle them behind the ears or something? No, uh, you kind of have to hold back, and eventually they give it all up. Wow. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Usually and I just find you pay them a lot of money, and then they'll do something. <laughs> they start spinning their wheels and making all these wacky sounds. <laughs> See, I told you, they start performing. Yeah, there you go. No, it was amusing. It was actually an Arctic fox machine that I was on, and uh, I'd managed to get $20 down to like 70 cents or something and I brought it back to $7 and then Kit told me, you have to come play this other machine and I put that 7 something into that other machine and won like $20 the two spins so um, the Arctic Foxes were I didn't figure them out quite quickly enough but Arctic Foxes are fickle bitches well that's also Kick true Kick them, usually they respond to that Yes um, so the views anyway, of Don Reed do not necessarily affect the views of the podcast. We, uh, I like kicking things. Huh? Um, we, we hope that uh, you all enjoyed the live show from Las Vegas. We had a great time there. We want to thank we again did. the uh, Rabbit Valley folks and uh, Lovejoy Weasel and mm-hmm. NotTube and, and Fox Lord. Fox Lord and there was one other person whose name I don't recall. Um, he showed up with the Rabbit Valley Yeah, folks. he was a friend friend of Rabbit Valley yeah. folks. Thank you all for coming. Um, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, Kit made it happen in that little space of a hotel room, which was actually a pretty nice room. It was. Hilton did, night, did right by us. We are in January, and there's these awards on Twitter called Shorty Awards, S-H-O-R-T-Y awards.com. Um, Lovejoy Weasel is a joke, nominated me in the author category. 
and we managed to overtake not only Neil Gaiman and his 1.5 million followers, but also John Green and his 1.1 million followers who are much more social media aware and have since, I feel like we've roused a sleeping giant because he went from like, I think when I overtook him, he was at like 130 votes or 140 mm -hmm. and I got up to 170 and he's now at like 400. Well, there you go. <laughs> like slap down, but I'm still beating Neil Gaiman. Um, and I'm very happy about that. <laughs> Thank well, you. <laughs> well, what was funny was um, Dominico, Dominicoli? Yeah. I forget his name. Dominicoli actually tweeted something like, what would Neil think about being evaluated next to Kyle Gold? And Neil tweeted back and said, I'd be thrilled. I have enough awards. <laughs> uh, seriously? <laughs> yeah. I didn't see that. That's so, really cool. It was very cool. So, can, we get, can we get Neil Gaiman on the podcast? <laughs> He, he has, a son, sure in, he has a son in San Francisco, I'm, I'm told, so yeah. he must be out here from time to time. Maybe. Well, if we kidnap his son, then he'll have to, right? Oh, wait, Donnery is not, and you're like, oh, why did we kidnap you then? Yeah, it was just a bag over my head, and here I am, okay? <laughs> I mean, that's just Saturday that night for me. Oh, okay, well. <laughs> anyway, if you have a Twitter account, you can nominate myself or Cam Hirosaki in the author category. It does not take much to get up into the top 10. Uh, most of the authors, I think, have like 10 or 12 votes. Um, it's just when you get into like the top five, well, in top 10, they get up into like the 40s and 50s and whatnot. So if you feel like doing that, nominations run through the end of January. And uh, Lovejoy actually wrote a little article on weaselwordsmith.com about how this has become more than just about Kyle. It's become trying to expose furry to the mainstream, which... I'm not sure I'm the best person to be exposed to the mainstream, but I've been exposing myself for a while, so um, why not, right? Just running around in park, jacket, and... Oh, 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 the writing. Oh, yes. Okay. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> I actually, I used to have a little picture that I think they sold on college campuses that the title was Expose Yourself to Art, and it had a guy just opening his raincoat in front of a statue. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it was very amusing. Uh, you can also create your own categories. Yep. Uh, Bucktown Tiger found this out by accident when he nominated me in the Shop Record Nation category, which I think he really should own. But the uh, Shorty Awards, if a category gets enough play, they may turn it into an official category. So um, I kind of do. Think they it, have a podcasting category, unlike some other awards that we know about, Kyle. Now, now, <laughs> um, you know, it's worthwhile. We could maybe you could nominate. Uh, well, we don't have an unsheathed thing, but you could nominate us in the podcasting category. That's true. And we could nominate Fuzzwolf. That's true. And the Notcast crew. Uh, or... And we can nominate Flane and the used to have a Rabbit podcast Valley. crew. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Flane. <laughs> oh, it's... Donner, you tell Flane I'm sorry. It's pick on Flane No, it's going to be fun to watch him kick you. <laughs> um, Flane, come on over. I want to see this. <laughs> I we're, like violence. We're also, <laughs> as it is as it is middle January, we're also not too far from the official release of Isolation Play. That's true. And a ridiculously talented artist by the name of Kamui, K-A-M-U-I, that's also his fur affinity name, did an absolutely gorgeous piece of fan art for it. Yes. Which you should go check out right now. Put the podcast on pause. Go look up F.A. on your computer. Go to user slash K-A-M-U-I. And you will find the Isolation Play fan art, and you should go admire it and fave it. It is in the uh, style of much lauded 20th century American illustrator J.C. Leyendecker. Yes. 
My name's Camille, and I can't help but crap brilliance. Lion <laughs> <laughs> Deckert was one of the mentors of Norman Rockwell, and mm-hmm. you can see a lot of his influences in Rockwell's art. You can see a lot of his influences in Calloway's art. <laughs> well, that's also true. Uh, anyway, it's really gorgeous, and uh is fairly awesome anyway, uh, and he has very kindly agreed to allow Soforth to do a big poster of it. So at FC, oh, really? you, you may, yeah, at FC you might be able to see a big poster. I kind of want to do a magazine cover of it, but I don't know for what. Uh, well, make an unsheathed magazine. No, I'm not committing us to that. No. I did not say that. <laughs> Can't we, we also, cut this, right? Uh, we also have one other thing that we're going to unveil at FC, which oh, I'm my. unveiling for Cam Hirosaki right now. Oh, Jesus. I never. This is never good when he does it. Oh, my God! That's <laughs> awesome! Where'd you get this from? Uh, we, uh, a little while ago, commissioned some badges from Raraki. Uh, R-A-R-A-K-I-E, also on Fur Affinity. And uh, so she did a little three-badge set oh, wow. of... Um, me and Kit and KM. Oh my god, I love kids. I mean, I love yours too, but... <laughs> ah, that's so cute. So we will be sporting them at further confusion. I need a hole punch. Yes, we need to make them into actual badges yes. right now. They're just kind of laminated things, but... Can I see the badges um, for a second? Yeah. They're, they're quite awesome. That is quite awesome. And uh, we're, we're going to let Don Ryu do his uh, art commentary now. <laughs> I hate all of them. Burn them, do it again. No. No, Where'd well, you learn three quarters perspective? Is <laughs> 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 that fire? How did he rip a laminated badge in half? I'm Don Ryu. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like about Kits is just how he's like, <laughs> yes, I am great. <laughs> he has that kind of head shaking expression that he often gets. Kyle is still like, he's. He, it's like between smart aleck and enthusiasm, and I don't know how you can pull that off, but did in this one. <laughs> it's like, well, yes, I am insulting your intelligence, but I look damn good doing it. Cam <laughs> <laughs> Hirosaki here is like, don't you wish you were an otter? <laughs> it's just great being an otter. Be an he otter. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I <hate that>. <laughs> <laughs> He's still it's trying to rip. Awesome, he's still trying to rip them in half. For those for those listening at home who can't actually see what's going on, why we're all cracking up. I'm ruled by my envy. Yeah, I have a badge. Anyway, we thought it'd be nice. She was she was offering like three badge sets, and we thought it'd be nice to have a set of podcasting badges. So we have our uh, we have our official. Plus, she had just done like a set of three fox badges, and all three foxes were like amazingly cute. And I was like. I we have, must have that. I believe I saw the upload of which you refer. Anyway, so go see her as well. Since you're on FA already from looking up the Camoey picture, it's yeah. user slash R-A-R-A-K-I-E. And uh, she does awesome work as well. And I'm pretty sure by the time we release this that she will have posted that because I asked her not to post it. We just got him this morning, and I just asked oh, her wow. not to post it today so that you wouldn't stumble across him before we could record your reaction. So awesome. now I can tell her, Go listen to Unsheathed episode number 67, and you can hear K.M. Hirosaki. Yeah. L- l- see l- listen badge. to how, how gaily fabulous he is when he <laughs> sees this. <laughs> it is pretty gay-tacular, I gotta admit. Yeah. Um, and speaking of FC, 
We will be on some panels there. Yes, we'll be on multiple panels. Would and we're like all together. To, would you like to tell our listeners what panels you'll be on? Well, first and foremost and most obvious is our podcast, which, as I believe we said, it's going to be Saturday night at 10 o'clock in it's the Hillsborough Room, which, uh, is that where we were last year? I honestly don't remember. Wow, I don't remember either. I, I think we were in the, the Empire Room. And actually, I, I'm not sure that they might not have changed that since then, so... Check the schedule when you get to the yeah. con, but because um, uh, I think Jacoby posted something today about he was going to be in the Empire Room like all day Saturday, hmm. and I think all of the pan and our pa- he was going to our panels, so he wasn't avoiding us. Yeah, that's where a lot of the writing panels are. I right know, right? So we might be in the Empire Room. Yes, and as a reminder, we have our our special guests. Yes. Go ahead. You can tell them with. Oh yeah, yeah so, I was about to say. Does we have we have, fur- <laughs> we have we have special guests. We have, two, we have two very special guests. One is further confusion guest of honor and uh, fellow furry writer Paul Kidd, and uh, fellow used to teach me and Kyle how to write <laughs> screenwriting master Carl York, which I, I am still terrified about <laughs> doing a podcast with Carl. Uh, it's funny, we've got like an actual like like here's like a big famous furry author. It's like and here's my old teacher. And here's actually someone who has you know, yeah. been in movies and yes. written screenplays and read screenplays for many, many years. He's read some of my work that doesn't have animal sex in it. Yeah. Same with me. <laughs> we didn't we we for some reason didn't turn that into class. Yeah. Well, you know, the reading in up front would have been awkward. <laughs> And then he slipped in. No. Okay. Uh, where else are you going to be? Uh, I believe you are going to be in a podcast panel on Sunday. Yes. With, with you and, uh, and Fuzzwolf. Yep. Uh, and which are, hmm? where we are going to try to tell you guys how to keep putting together a podcast week after week after week after week after week after it week. It helps to have fantastic guests like Don Renew to bring on board. Yes. But yeah, that'll be Sunday at 5 in the afternoon. Uh, Sunday it. at 5 in the morning, because you'll probably be hung over if you were at our podcast on Saturday night. And we do encourage people to show up to the podcast um, and plan to stick around a little bit after, because we always kind of hang out in the room, because usually there's nothing in the room after that. They have booze. <laughs> we, I will, at least. We will have whatever's approved by the hotel, officially. And uh, I'm not sure what that'll include. But. Oh, at the hotel. Oh, okay. I will have a thermos full of wholesome, family-friendly beverage. <laughs> yes, wholesome, family-friendly vodka. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's orange juice. That's all. And if you're not sick of me and Kyle by Sunday night uh, at eight o'clock, also probably in the Empire Room, we have our adult furry fiction panel, where we will actually be talking about adult furry fiction, like we never actually do on our adult furry fiction podcast. We're like the MTV of adult furry fiction writing podcasts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you tell everyone what's we'll, hit. We'll have to start another podcast just to talk about adult furry fiction. <laughs> yeah, we're more just like our furry writing podcast. Yes. Two. Yes. On two. <laughs> On sheet eight, the Ocho. <laughs> <laughs> if it's kind of sort of about animals having sex, we've got it. Next, we review Earth, the documentary with David Attenborough. Oh, my God. <laughs> On disc number two, at the five-hour and 38-minute mark, you can kind of see two mayflies doing it in the background. <laughs> they said mate. <laughs> Welcome to Unsheath 2 Electric Boogaloo. Uh, <laughs> uh, I will be doing a bunch of writing panels. 
with a bunch of fun people. In addition to the podcast and the content panel and the adult furry fiction panel, I will be talking about novel writing on Friday at 5. I will be talking about learning to love editing Saturday at 1. I will be reading a little bit from Isolation Play at the Sofa Wolf Presents panel Saturday at 5, which uh, you guys should plan on attending because there's lots of cool stuff in there. Uh, Tempo Tempio Kuhn is going to read from his Western... Uh, six is wild. Six, yeah, I, I, I was trying to think of how to describe it. Oh, it's like got kind of sort of a culty, a little bit of magic elements to it. I think. Yeah, and, it's kind of like um, that sort of dime novel feel to right. it, sort of thing. Serial adventure kind of yeah. stuff. But it's pretty cool. And uh, we're going to read from Ursula Vernon's fantasy Black Dogs. Um, so that's going to be cool. I'm on a storytelling panel with Rane Rukus and Ruckus and Mish. Um, Saturday at 8 p.m. right before the podcast. So if you want a good seat for the podcast, you can come and hang out at that panel. I'm discussing character journeys. How does your character move from Chapter 1 to the end, and what does he learn along the way? Sunday at 11. And there's also a podcast panel at 3 p.m. on Sunday, which is going to feature our amazing producer, Wolf Kit Silver. And he will be sitting around with Kids like what? <laughs> and Jayot, and they're going to talk about the mechanics of podcasting. So, you know, how you go from recording Skype to your home computer and just broadcasting it to YouTube from to uh, how do you go from that to the uh, amazing technical audio rigs that uh, Kit and I lug around the country and that B-Hop has set up in his home recording studio and Jayot also. Um so, we're going to talk about that. I will probably be at that panel. I'm listed as being a panelist, but I am not going to be a panelist because all I know is I talk into the mic and then, like, a few days later, it shows up on uh, iTunes. So Yeah. I do have a small question for you. Your uh, storytelling panel mm-hmm. with Rukus and, and Mish, uh, what will that be covering? Because that's an interesting mixture of people there. The official description is, What is involved in telling a good story? In this session, we'll cover elements of character creation, characterization, emotions, and conflict to help bring life and depth to your storytelling. The discussion will touch on storytelling in comics, art, audio drama, and written form. Well, that would be interesting, because one of the things I enjoy about the way Rukus does her storytelling, at least with her comics, is that she understands how to actually bring real conflict which can actually bring out real char- character development. Yeah, conflict is one of the real, real things that people have difficulty getting into uh, a story because the tendency when you write about characters that you like is to have things be resolved quickly and simply. And Because they don't I want will, to do anything to their characters. I will address this later in the podcast with one yes. of our questions. Uh, the other thing is is that Mish has a real good tendency to bring that out visually. I love uh, the way, at least when it comes to his comics, at uh he has a very good sense of composition, yeah, um, and he knows how to work um, a room. At least when he's doing indoor comics, that how to bring that out and bring that bring the uh, weight of the situation without having little to no dialogue. With having little to no dialogue, excuse me, grammar's hard. But anyway, <laughs> that's okay. Sorry. You're an artist. <laughs> I art. Um, that's me. Donnery is also a storyteller. Actually, he's done comics, so. He has a good grasp of storytelling and pacing and language and all. Yeah, I got kind of sucked into that panel by Ronnie and 
um, I think he just wants to talk about telling good stories. And so he's trying to, he does a lot of audio work. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to grab people from comics and audio and visual art and, and writing as well. And I think he just wants us to talk about, you know, what sort of elements we put together in a story. It is real interesting to see the difference in presenting conflict between like comics versus a novel versus just still static images versus audio. So, because while it's um, very interesting to uh, what you notice is that in a lot of stories where the authors typically fail is that you have a spectacular premise, but they don't want to do anything to their characters, right? Because they're afraid to do anything to their characters. The thing is, is that that's you want to be involved to a point. So there's a certain bit of a, of identifiability, if that's a word. Um, but then you need to be able to cut it off and be able to put them through the ringer so you can really see them transform, grow and blossom. What really will define a character is the decisions they make at, you know, among the abyss. Exactly. So anyway, (laughs) random tangent. Um, and speaking of, Speaking of B-Hop, back in, uh, and to sort of segue back into the rest of the panels, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about how our FBA characters are doing this year. Yes. So my poor, poor Devin Kellendine, the uh, Panamanian jungle raccoon who plays for the uh, guard for the Biloxi Mud Puppies, is actually out for uh, 17 games with a shoulder, or elbow injury, rather. Wow. So he's he's got 11 more to go. Did you break it on somebody's nose? <sighs> I don't think so, but I, mean, I think he's too mild-mannered for that sort of thing. All right. Um, Blad Noct has been keeping a low profile, kind of. He is the, I believe, from the limited box scores I've been able to see, that he is the Thrust's best scorer off the bench. Nice. Um, I also believe he has probably not learned to play defense yet. <laughs> but... B-Hop is going to be schooling him in that. And uh, what's going on with Blancmange? That's going to require a little bit more research. But we will keep you updated. Bring questions to the live show, because B-Hop will be there, and he'll come up and answer them, I'm sure. And he's really fun to scare. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) This is all true. (laughs) Um, So, with that, let's uh, get to reading some questions. Yes. I believe our... uh, Otter in Residence has the floor. All right. So to start out real quick, you have to as you've to. What are you into as what is it into which you are? And the fact that this is not actually a sentence. Could you spend some time on the silliness into which the English language occasionally attempts to force its users? I support they as a singular genderless pronoun, but correct myself in order when I see it used improperly. Should we break this up one into parts and do it as it goes? Yeah. Um, I support they as a singular genderless pronoun, too. It's been used that way for hundreds of years. And the only people who yell at you and say that you can't are, you know, grammarian people with sticks up their butts. Heathens. And and, uh, people who want to create a new singular genderless pronoun. I mean, because also he has been used as a singular... It, not genderless, but gender non-specific pronoun for hundreds of years. Yeah, and I mean, they it, is kind of a if you don't want it to be specifically he, 
Yeah, or if you don't know the gender of right. the person, and and like there is when you're having a conversation, there is absolutely no ambigu- ambiguity about what that means when you're talking. Everyone uses, everyone knows what it means. Right. That's correct enough for anyone. And in the case of certain entities in the fandom who go by a singular name, it's even more correct. Yeah, there you go. I got in trouble for using it, though, because uh, the person I was commenting on, um, I, I hate saying it, but when I met them, I didn't know what gender they were, and I still don't know what they were. Uh, so I kept referring to them as they in the comment. And since they didn't speak, speak relatively good English, they thought I was referring to them as they as a crowd of people <laughs> so they asked they i'm like yes you <laughs> trying to keep myself as blameless as possible really in some cases you just need to come right out and say okay look are you a boy or a girl <laughs> because they wouldn't say so on their site well, i mean otherwise you're left with embarrassing alternatives like shim <laughs> and that's just not good nobody for likes that no <laughs> you can do he slash she yeah, and that's really clunky and awkward. Right. Um, other silliness. I mean, the whole, like, don't end a sentence with a preposition yeah. occasionally forces you into sort of silly usage, but colloquially, it's yeah. What are you into? That's a complete... N- again, nobody doesn't know what that means. Yeah. Colloquially, it's it's fine. Yeah. I mean, if you start doing it too much in, in your prose, you need to reconstruct your sentences. But <laughs> The more circumlocutory you try to get, the worse off it's going to end for everyone right like when you use words like circumlocutory i can't my mouth will not even make the right sound circumlocutory yeah um yeah and i couldn't make the l honestly because i'm asian (laughs) uh she does not support racism honestly (laughs) delightful hilarious racism oh wow that's coming up later in the podcast too don't worry you're welcome and it came up before we started recording, too, when uh, Hirosaku was geeking out about Star Wars. Speaking of <laughs> which, long-time <laughs> listeners of the show will know, uh, one of the things we like to bring up, Drop uh, Red Letter Media has released their uh, review of uh, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, which is also 90 minutes long, if you want to check that out. It is to- probably a better use of your time than seeing the movie. Yes. Yes. It is. Um, there's... There's other silliness, but I think that's also one of the beauties of, of the English language is yeah. that you have these weird constructions, and colloquially, people kind of make their own paths. Like the whole, you know, you used to not, you we weren't supposed to split infinitives, and then everybody and that was pointed a dumb out rule the, too. Everybody pointed out the uh, Star Trek to boldly opening, go. Yeah. right? And then, um, and now people are like, well. The whole split and infinitives thing, it's correct up to a point, but there's the whole point of, of language is to make it sound good. And so if you're running up against a rule of English language and you can create a sentence that is unambiguously clear in its meaning yeah. and sounds better, then go ahead and break the rules. But you have to know the rules first. Yes. Next up, when Sheath passes the age of seniority, will you three be able to purchase cheaper movie tickets? Well, at the rate they're jacking up movie ticket prices, by the time we get up there, the answer's probably going to be no. Yeah, I don't think so. We're at 67 now, which should be yeah. seniority, but try I mean, showing that to the clerk at the AMC. And nobody wants to eat dinner at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. No, not yet. 
Kayfish would get asked more questions at live shows if the audience had more to work with in his three dozen secret projects, about which we cannot know. Speaking hey. of convoluted constructions. I only have one secret project now. And it's the secret project. <laughs> Speaking of leaving out the otter, my apologies. The following question, yes, I eventually have a real one, is more relevant to KG2. Have you considered making writing your full-time job? I'm, not going to, uh, I'm going to assume that the answer to the question is yes, but I'd appreciate you spending more time on the topic. Not that you're the kind to wig a lot of a discussion by exploiting your question's yes-no nature. I don't know why this question isn't relevant to me, too. <laughs> oh, but it is adorable to watch you both wiggle. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Go on. He wiggles better than I do because he's an otter. It's true. I swish better than he does. <laughs> I should poke you both. Um, so, I think the the crux of your question is not so much, have you considered making writing your full-time job, but what are the obstacles to making writing your full-time job? Um, writing the, the fact that, that for all but about two dozen people in the world, writing does not pay enough money to live off of. Well, it pays enough money to live off of if you have a spouse who's gainfully employed, I mean, a lot of the people I know who make right in their full-time job either live under the aegis of someone else's roof and, you know, pay, you know, right and pays basically for, like, grocery money and rent and not much more. Yeah. Um, or they're married and the spouse kind of like, they live in a cheap area of the country, like Wisconsin or Oklahoma or Arkansas or... You know, Trinidad and Tobago. The unfortunate reality is that you know, hidden mountain bunkers don't pay for themselves. Yeah, we live we live in an expensive part of the country, and the trade off for that is that we have to have real jobs that pay salaries that people in this part of the country can expect to live off of. Um, that said, I did just read an article today about a girl, a girl, a woman. She's twenty six, who's written like a couple. I don't remember what a couple dozen young adult. Uh-uh. fantasy novels, paranormal romance stuff, and she sold 185,000 of them in the Whoa. last couple years through Amazon. That's amazing. Uh, most of them on ebook. She said she's only sold, she's self-published through print, but she's only sold like a couple thousand print books. But still, you know. Just so you folks know, that's several thousand percent of what Kyle has sold. Not, not to yeah. say that, yeah, just, but just to put it in perspective. That's a, that's a lot. This is, this is that's ha- an order of magnitude difference. So yes. Clearly, the takeaway is we should be writing for 13-year-old girls. Right. And also the takeaway is that Kyle is not as close to being able to write full-time as you probably think, which isn't a dig against him. He also has more integrity <laughs> than to wa- write something like Twilight. I don't know. You didn't hear Kyle's defense of Twilight in our last episode. No, I didn't. But there is no defense for Twilight. I'm sorry. No, there actually is. No. Oh, we'll. we'll I'm <laughs> not just, we'll just, we won't reiterate podcast, it because everyone else has already just heard it. But yeah, <laughs> we won't reiterate it. But um, but the fact of the matter is, is that you're working full time as an artist of any type. Write, write is a, writing is a form of art. Period. Right. Working full time anyway in any way, shape, or form of any type of specialty. Only like very few are going to be that kind of. Um, success, that kind of success. And then there's, the thing is, is that there are those who can do what they want and make a lot of money doing it. But then there are those who kind of write these, write light fare or draw stuff that, you know, they may not even care for, but they can do it mm-hmm. and they can be completely disassociated with it when doing it. It becomes more of a tool. So the fact of the matter is, is that you have to be able to be willing to treat it as a job. 
Right. And, you know, someone who lives off his art, <laughs> like me, <ugh. laughs> you know, waking up every day and then spending a questionable amount of time between, like, eight and even sometimes just the entire day uh, working on art and just trying to make sure you meet a certain quota every day. And then trying to be as not as involved, but still trying to continue to become better at the same time. That in itself is a challenge. So at some point, like if you realize you can make it, make it an equitable thing and writing with very few exceptions is not necessarily very equitable. It's fun and it's an art form. You have to have that self-discipline as well as that drive to push it to that level. Right. And, one of the cool things about the fandom is that you can have artists because, you know, not to uh, not to say anything about the relative merits of art versus writing, but you can turn around a sketch in a week and get paid within a week. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it takes me roughly, you know, plus or minus some months, a year to write a novel, and then the money from that novel comes in not until like many, many months later. So, right now, the um, to be honest, the ebooks on Amazon, uh, I'm getting them up on Barnes & Noble. I'm hoping this month to get them up on a couple other sites that would provide me with money. Uh, this woman who sold 185,000 books did it mostly through Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, so I feel like I've covered the major bases right now. Um, I kind of feel like if I had, um, if I had maybe three or four times the sales that I have now, which is not too bad or not too much of an unreachable goal, like if I just write yeah. more novels and get better known and people keep downloading <laughs> them. And they seem to be sustainable, or like they're consistent across yeah. several months, which I wouldn't have predicted. Um, then, you know, Kit and I might be able to talk about me scaling back to part-time or even taking a few months off to try to get some more things out the door. Yeah, but I mean, like, as it is now, if you were to try to, like, hash out, like, how many hours Kyle puts into writing a novel versus how much he gets paid for writing them, he's probably better off working at Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, then, I'd, far- then I'd get free drinks, and I wouldn't be yeah. spending all the money at Starbucks, and too. you'd get money on a weekly basis. <laughs> right. Um, so, but... Kyle doesn't actually work at Starbucks. I, I am you know. kind of working towards that goal. Um, working at I, Starbucks? Yeah, <laughs> I, I aspire one day. Um, <laughs> you spend some time there. I, I have, I've talked on my live journal uh, about the werewolf novel I sent off to the publishers. I haven't heard back from that yet, but that's something that would be suitable for the mainstream and a different audience. And, you know, I might just, if it doesn't get picked up by these publishers, I might send it around to other places, or I might just put it up on Amazon and say, hey, here's a novel. It's different from it's not like super furry. It's a werewolf and a it's yeah. straight. But you know, what the hell? It's a fun fun adventure, and maybe people would like it and see you know what revenue that brings in. A um, couple of the other projects that I'm working on now are trying to get short stories and other novels out into other venues. So you know, the more I get my name known, the more I get my work out there, the more work I have for people to buy. Um, the more you know, it's. It's not impossible that in, you know, four or five years, I would have enough work out there to where I could sort of step back and say, all right, the ebooks are bringing in a predictable monthly income, and I can just step back and try to write some novels. David Sim, um, author of Cerberus, actually did write something in regards to that about him finally breaking off and doing his own thing, um, because... 
he was also doing commissions for a number of years, mm-hmm. you know, and he could charge a lot, but he still hated it. Right. <laughs> but the thing is, is that he talks about how you need to be able to make, you need to have something out there that's making you money while you're not necessarily working. Yeah. And being an author, you know, being, being an artist, I can turn around, you know, really good sketches within the course of a week easily mm-hmm. but the thing is as an author you know what you do is like you have to rely on that and just waves hopefully of income you know that's kind of the thing is that you're you're very like any given business you're subject to the response and the likes and dislikes of the right, public yeah. itself so you can't necessarily you can put in a lot of what you want but you also have to try to incorporate your crowd too right or every one period. And the benefit, though, of writing versus art is once you get paid for your sketch, it's done. But I can put a book up on Amazon and have, you know, 100 people buy it over the course of a year. And people can just keep buying it, and I don't have to do anything for right. that to come in. So, that sort of in the long term, that makes things a little more a little more rosy, I guess. I don't know how I'll to say I'll keep staying up till 5 a.m. drawing. <laughs> yeah. I, should, I should revisit my idea to, like... TS with people for money, although the yeah. legality and ethics of that might be questionable. Well, hey, it's... Herms are extra, sorry. Um. <laughs> I thought that was kind of the definition of a Herm. Oh! <laughs> Alright, as for me writing for a living, well, after the two years it'll take me to write Summerhill and I make my 50 bucks off of it, I'll be satisfied with myself for accomplishing it, I guess. We'll go out for pizza. For the sake of balance, here's a question geared more towards Kfish. What do you think of the label you've acquired as that otter that writes sad stories? Is it fair? And what is it based? Is there a reason your writings do or do not tend to move in that direction emotionally? Is it a tell-me-about-your-mother sort of deal? If so, you do not need to tell us about her on the podcast, and that could get awkward. Uh, no, I don't think it's fair. And uh, I actually went out of my way to count my stories that I would say are sad versus ones that aren't. And they are in the overwhelming minority. Uh, as for why I have this reputation, I think it's that I write sad stories at all. Uh, as uh, Donria was saying earlier, a lot of people seem to be afraid to throw conflict at their characters that they like. And the idea of having people having to earn happiness is apparently like anathema to a whole lot of people. They just sort of want to see happy people getting together, being happy and ending up happy. And anything that's like not in that mold is suddenly like, Oh my God, why are you doing this? Which isn't to say that people are bad readers or anything, but I think that there's like unrealistic expectations, unrealistic expectations of what makes a good and interesting story. I don't know. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Well, I think that a lot of people, when they write their stories, they're they're actually more confined to that, really, what Disney became, that kind of uh, canon-esque, canon-esque way of doing things. It's like, at the end, everyone's alive! And everyone is happy. But they did something. Like, if if you had ever seen, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Princess and the Frog already, and if you haven't, you're behind the times and crawl out of your cave and see it. Um... They do, um, they kill off one of the happy-go-lucky character. They kill off the comedy relief. Right. And the thing is, is that I can just imagine what happened in the story room. You had the, um, you had the producers, 
And the writers and the producers are like, do we really want to? I don't think the kids can handle it. No, we like this character. He needs to die. (laughs) And the thing is, is that you had this great, sweet ending. Because he brings up, like, his girlfriend who's a star up there. And then at the end, he does end up joining his his girl. And it's just this thing that, you know, he fought to earn, you know? And I think... Honestly, I think Princess and the Frog was one of the strongest Disney movies from a story standpoint of, like, the last ten years, probably. Oh, yeah. Most certainly. Better than that cow movie. <laughs> we don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, neither does Disney. They really just sort of, sort of disavow it. Well, if you watch the uh, if you watch a, a movie, it's a documentary about the how they fired all the 2D animators. Dream on Silly Dreamer. They have the uh, production party where everyone is like, yeah, we'll be fired next week anyway. So it was a real happy party. And uh, so they're going around like signing different scripts, kind of like a, a yearbook thing. And she's like, he's like, yeah, draw a picture. And literally the animator just says, oh, from our shitty cow movie. <laughs> <laughs> so this gave you the idea that no one cared about this movie. They were literally doing it for an income. <laughs> wow. But hey, Roseanne was in it. Well, no one cared about this movie. <laughs> well, let's go on so we don't... Yes. We're spending our entire podcast on this one question. Yelling at Roseanne. For the last bit of the email, for the sake of safety, here's a question for whatever sort of special guest you might have be present at the time of this email's use. What's your favorite? It's vague on purpose. Question? Not that one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, My favorite... Well, it's a cross between mac and cheese and the color blue, to be honest with you. Ooh, that is a tough one. So, like, blue mac and cheese? Mm, that could be tasty. George Carlin taught me never to eat blue food. Blueberries? They're not blue, they're purple. Shut up. <laughs> Keep up the great work, all sincerely, Whitfox. I was halfway through listening to episode 58. Yeah, so I don't think he's gotten to your breakdown of your stories yet. No. All right, thank you for the email. Hello there, insert clever name for you and eventually any guests. As I'm starting to write this, I just finished listening to episode number 57, where you ended the podcast with saying, if anyone is out there from a country we did not represent in the show, please write in and say hi to us. Well, I'm from the northern parts of Norway. Hi. Hi, Norway. Hi, Norway. I speak a little Swedish. That's not the same. No, they're close. While I'm not a writer, nor have I read any of your writings yet, I still very much enjoy hearing you talk on the podcast. I don't listen to your episodes as soon as they put up, but rather let some of them, about four to seven, build up and then listen to them while drawing or playing games. For example, I've just listened from 55 through 57 and plan on listening to 58 and 59, which is the latest episode right now. I believe I've heard one of you, or both, say that you listen to other podcasts. Do you listen to the episodes as soon as they're out, or do you wait and let them build up? On another note, how do you handle emails that are sent to you? Are you grouping them together with other emails that have questions with roughly the same theme, or do you answer them chronologically as they arrive? Keep on doing a great job with the podcast. Kyokaji Shogu, also known as Thoror. Kyokaji Shogu on FA. That's um, an interesting question. Well, I can a answer a name the- that is made of testosterone. Thoror! <laughs> Uh, I can answer the email one. We do attempt to group them with other emails with sort of roughly the same theme. Yes. Um, that we have a little labeling always, system that Kyle created. Yeah, it isn't always evident because people will ask, like, 
bad and hey, good. Hey, Kyle, how did you and Cam Hirasaki meet? And also, my novel is currently 386,000 words. Is that too long? So then I either have to put that into like a personal category where we talk a little more about our own lives or into a novel writing category. And either way, we have a little bit of variation. So, but I don't know. As it happens, I've wrote a 367,000 word novel on how me and Kyle met. (laughs) (laughs) It's called Otter Plus Fox Equals Awesome. As far as podcasts. Uh, the question is, I try to listen to them as they come out, but I often end up with a backlog built up and then need to play catch up. I am, however, caught up on most of them now. The The holiday season was good for something, and that something was letting me listen to podcasts, because they stopped producing for several weeks, and so I was able to catch up. Yeah. Um, I usually let them build up. Um, I've... Uh, it's not worth going into all the technical details, but I don't currently have a working iTunes installation on any of my computers anymore. So, um, you, you know, you can fix that, right? Well, so far, I know there are other programs out there, but so far, the only way that I know to fix that is by installing iTunes. And there's a reason I don't want to do that on a lot of my computers. Okay. So, um, yes, I'm aware that okay. it is fixable. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> Um, I'm going to look at this pretty picture. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, that, that plus slight changes in my workout routine mean that I don't really have the time that I used to have to listen to podcasts. So right now I'm letting a lot of them build up and I've not listened to any of them in probably several months. Do you listen to podcasts? Don Ryu? You're going to hate my answer. No, not really. We're pretty sure you don't listen to ours. I don't listen to really any. <laughs> not because that they're not interesting. They are. I just forget that they exist. Kind of like how I keep forgetting TV exists and Facebook <laughs> exists. And I go back to TV and go, oh, that's right. There's a show called House. I love this show. <laughs> or I go to uh, Facebook and I go, that's right. I have an account. Who are all you people? So... It's not that I don't like them. I just forget that they exist, and I'd have to go through a whole different thing within my work routine. Yeah, I'm sure if I incorporate, <laughs> because I'm working all the time, if I incorporated them in my work routine and listened to them while I drew or while I was um, painting or anything like that, yes, I would be listening to them. But I barely have time to read the mountains of books that I have right now. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah kind of same with me tangent, tangent it's a lot it's actually a lot easier for you to read them while you're drawing than it would be for me to or for you to listen to them while you're drawing than it would be for me to listen to them while i'm writing because yeah i can't pay attention to listening to something and while i'm doing something else like yeah, i need to be I driving have, or something i to can, listen to I can have stuff on in the background yeah but, but not something i'm trying to pay attention but to. yeah I, I tried i think i tried a couple times listening to notcast while i was working and either I would sit there and not work for like 15 minutes at a stretch, or I would get involved in my work, and then I would realize that I'd just, the wire people had run through 20 minutes, yeah. and they were like, ha, 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 dongs. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like the worst at multitasking, because um, like I could be talking on the phone and then typing to someone online, and then someone could ask me a question on the phone, and I'll answer that question while typing to someone in the middle of, like say, some random RP. Awesome. Pets you on the head. No, I won't be in Kansas tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Don Ryu, you're so romantic. <laughs> hey, what are you well, doing? About six o'clock. <laughs> what uh, are you doing? I'm. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm talking. I mean, I'm. I'm not on my computer. 
Hey, Dominic, do you think you could be at that meeting tomorrow? Strokes your tail. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, strokes uh, your tail. I'm sorry, I said that totally wrong. Strokes your tail. Oh, okay, now I understand. Right. Asterisks and sa- moans. <laughs> <laughs> we saved, uh... We saved the we saved the longest letter for you to read, Don Ryu, because you are a special guest. The longest letter, or is it just the? Spe- Do you mean this one right here? Or yes, this one. Oh, it's it's all one letter. It starts with the the deer and it ends with the uh, Idaho. <laughs> so you get to read all of it, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Well, uh, as you don't mind if I get into whatever character I decide to. I, we do not have any control over that. You were actually counting on this, weren't you? Uh, we thought that you would give the letter the dignified and attentive reading it deserved. <clears throat> may I have a sip of your water there? Yes, you may. Thank you. I don't see why you need to unfasten your pants, though. <laughs> Trust me, I can't read well unless I'm reading naked. Well, he's going to be reading for a while. i got nothing to do. Yeah. Dear waggy, sexy fox butt, Mr. Kyle Gold, <laughs> and slippery, sexy otter butt, Hirosake-sensei. Apparently you're Matthew Patel. <laughs> I'm dancing while I'm doing this. I need to pull my email. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you read my email? <laughs> Before I get into my question for you wonderful podca- for your wonderful podcast answer, I just thought I would illustrate how much I appreciate you two taking the time out of your lives to do unsheathed. Ever since I discovered the podcast, I've been listening quite faithfully every time a new episode comes out, as well as catching up on past episodes. I would tell you what episode I'm on, but I watch them out of order. I'm sure he's mentally like this. (laughs) (laughs) Your wonderful podcast has inspired me to take my writing to a whole new level that I have never taken it to before. Super Saiyan 3? Probably. (laughs) Along with one of my teachers in school, you inspired me to do a national writing month. Uh, to do to do national novel writing month, apparently of which I never took part of because the English language is really hard for me. Before now, I have started stories, written a bit, and then stopped and never picked them up again. I would never really get past eight thousand or so words, if if that much. As it so happens, however. I have now written over 50,000 words on one wow. plot and never been able to and never been so happy to do so. I've learned so much from both from both of you and I've incorporated much into of it into my novel. So naturally, I feel that I owe you to gratuitous gratuitous amounts of thanks and possibly nudity. That's not in the letter. I just thought I'd enhance it. We appreciate that. So much thanks, in fact, that I've written a sonnet in your honor of your podcast. We are indeed honored. Unsheathed. As for my writing, I'm sure that I'm sure that it seems abominable, and yet still I write. As for the paper, I've wasted reams cast aside as I realize my strife. 
imagination fa fails and my courage doth falter. I try my best, and yet uh, still I fail. My heroine reassures me, and I can't fault her. I give up. I just haven't found that holy grail. And then my ears hear two beautiful sounds, the inspiring voices of an otter and fox. The show ends, and my confidence holds new ground, and I take another ream out of the box. And yes, my writing soul still goes astray, yet unfailing, unsheathed casts my doubts away. I'm Aww. impressed that he used the word ream twice in that sonnet, and it wasn't sexual either time. <laughs> Actually, yes, I'm impressed about that, too. Yes. I'm slightly worried because he spelled heroin without an E, and I thought at first he had a drug habit. Yeah. Well, I was a little worried. If Harrisby wires, black wires grow on her head. Is this more? <laughs> yes. yes, there's oh, okay. more. There's more. are more. Oh, yeah, yes. Hopefully. He, he is a... Um, Expansive river otter. Alrighty. And not in the Hirosaki sense. There it is. <laughs> and I thank you both once again for everything you've inspired me to do. Hopefully once I edit and proofread my novel as well as take it a bit longer, I'll see it up on, Sofa Wolf Pre on the Sofa Wolf Press website along with your books, Mr. Kyle. If it ever makes it, if it ever makes it that far, I'll feel extremely honored. But far, I was about to say, but far away. Excuse the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> but far away in a land. But far away. Oh, that was the wrong novel. But anyway, on to my quest. Oh, the question it arises. <laughs> <laughs> I want you on every podcast. <laughs> I know, really. <laughs> can, but you, on can you do your arts out here? <laughs> All right. We have a mountain bunker. It's got a, it's got a floor mat. Okay. Do I get an office and can I move Zexus in with me? It's got a floor mat. <laughs> I guess he can take up the floor and I'll sleep on Zexus. That'd be cool. <laughs> I've done it before. I'm just anyway. But anyway, on to my question, which I will make short and snappy, which you haven't done for the rest of the letter. <laughs> 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 Since this is already getting very long, yes. My question is another on the differences between the different kind of of story, be it short story, novella, or novel. Boy, he really likes to concentrate on length. I don't know if that's... Anyway, does, this, does the classification of a story depend fully on the amount of words it contains or so... or do so... Or do the other factors key in it? I ask because the story I wrote for NaNoWriMo is fairly short, and only about 50,000 or so words presently. But it also has a fairly complicated plot and deals with a good amount of characters. Would the plot complexity and number of characters play a part in saying whether, whether or not it was a short story or a novella, or would it be considered a short story simply based on length? It's not how big it is, it's how you use it. Um, thanks and love, me, me always, Serge, is that it? Serge Takeyama, the river otter from Idaho. There's a lot of people Japanese names. I was going to say, it's Japanese name day on Unsheath. Yeah. Do you think I could, do you mind if I comment first Go ahead. about the question? Um, and as much... Um, 
you know, pecking at this letter I made, I do have a serious answer. I don't really think the length and the amount of characters is really going to matter so much as just simply if it's a good story. I mean, a good drawing is a good drawing, and no matter how long or short the story is, if you convey the message with the amount of words it takes, you know, I remember doing one of my comics, comics and thinking like, well, how long am I going to make this? As long as it needs to be. Yep. Yes. A story can only be as long as it needs to be, not longer or shorter. It's That won't make it better or worse. Um, as for classification, however, 50,000 words is not a short story, and it's already starting to get a little too long to be a novella. But yeah. this, this letter could be a novella. <laughs> the letter could be a short story, for sure. Um, we could write you, a short thank story. Thank you for the at, sonnet, yes, by the way. Thank you the for sonnet, the sonnet. It's very cool. I was going to say, we could write a short story about Don Ryu reading this email. Yes. And then we could write a novella about writing that short story. Um, <laughs> and then incorporate that into how you two met. It, uh, it depends a lot on where you're trying to apply the classification. Um, if, like, the Hugo Awards have very definite word count limits. Right. Um, the Ursa Majors ha- are supposedly kind of based on the Hugos, but they're not quite that strict about it, I think. Um, short story... Uh, so generally, for for the Hugo purposes, short story is up to seventy five hundred words. Uh, novelette is seventy five hundred to is it twelve and a half or fifteen? I think it's twelve and a half. It's twelve and a half, and then novella is twelve and a half up to forty thousand, and a novel is anything over forty thousand words. Yeah. Generally, if you're looking to talk to a publisher and you want to publish a novel, they will want something. I think fifty thousand is probably the minimum that they yeah. would publish as a standalone novel. Yeah, the the distinctions no, novelette is not really a category that most people use. Yeah, not and really. it's honestly, if you're at the ten thousand word mark, I'd call that a long short story, right? Or a short novella, somewhere it, between ten and fifteen thousand yeah. words. A short story becomes a novella. Yeah, and at that point. You can argue that complexity of the story makes it lean one way or the other, but to be honest, there are plenty of 5,000-word stories that have pretty intricate plots, and there are plenty of 15,000-word novellas that are fairly simple and straightforward, so it's not really... I mean, the short answer is, yeah, it does kind of just depend on word count, but the actual like definition cutoff is a bit fuzzy. You have leeway. And it depends, again, it depends on where you're trying to apply the classification. Yeah. If you're trying to fit it into a nurse major award category 50,000 words is going to be a novel yeah if you're trying to get it published you know as part of an anthology anthologies may say we want short stories up to 7,500 words or we want short stories up to 15,000 words or yeah you know whatever i know that like the like heat their suggested guidelines cut off at around eight they want like between three and eight thousand i think right which you know with exceptions made for exceptional stories but See, but um, uh, thank you for answering that question because I thought a novelette was like a female novel. Um, <laughs> it's but, an unmarried yeah. female novel. Ah, yes. No. Otherwise, it's a novelette. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a novella. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with novella, but novelette is better. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I would mention is that you know don't don't limit yourself to just. Um, being, and I'm not saying that you yourself uh, rely on this. It's just don't rely on various awards or anything for validation that you're a good writer. Um, 
one of my favorite directors, Robert Rodriguez. Um, you would probably know him from uh, Grind uh, Grindhouse. That's the name of the yeah. movie. Yeah. And uh, Sin City. He works alongside with Quentin Tarantino often. Um, he did Machete. He did Machete. Uh, but the thing is, is like he does the movies he wants to do. But he's also, if you really look at his movies, he's a great film director and a great storyteller. He just does what he wants. But the thing is, is that uh, due to some technicalities, he cannot win an Oscar, no matter how good the movie is. Sin City could have been nominated, but because of whatever various stipulations, he wasn't part of that guild. So he wasn't able to win, you know, the Oscar. So... He couldn't even be nominated. But the thing is, he's still a great film filmmaker. You can be a great writer. It doesn't matter what awards that you do win or don't win. You know, right? Just it's, simply, <laughs> just do what you want. Write the stories you want. As long as your stories are meeting your own standards of quality, and you're happy with the stories you're writing. I mean, if you want to, as we said earlier in the podcast, if you want to have a huge fan base, write romance stories for thirteen year old girls. Yep. Yeah. Or Harry Potter fan fiction. Right. Or anime fan fiction. But anyway. Or West, Harry Potter anime crossovers, where he meets the cast of Naruto. I think the, uh, the last two questions have kind of shorter answers, so let's uh, let's get through those. And, sure. Um, no, I want to read the sonnet again. Excuse me. <laughs> no. You can read it again at the end in a different voice. Hey guys, let me start out by congratulating you, Kyle, on Isolation Play. I have my copy pre-ordered and I'm excited. Probably nowhere near as much as you are, but excited nonetheless. I've actually started rereading Out of Position in preparation. Why couldn't I have been a furry when I lived in Northern SoCal? I don't know if that's and or or there. (laughs) I like the idea of just an area called North SoCal. (laughs) I think it's called SLO. Um. (laughs) Actually, technically it's the Bay Area. but We're NorCal. Uh, we're in southern NorCal. In spirit, we're NorCal. Thanks for getting my name out there for editing during the lightning round. Two people have come to me already. I'm looking forward to reading all this wonderful work. Awesome. On to the question. I have been in the fandom for about nine months or so. I have a persona and I Ten bought by now. <laughs> and I bought my first commission earlier this week. That made me rather excited. And you just can't hide it. But I still don't have what I have considered a proper name. I got a baller name from B-Hop earlier this week. Number nine. Number nine. No, Is it number nine or no nine? I don't know. There will I like be no nines. <laughs> and I have a name for my persona in writing. David Thompson. Kind of a throwback to earlier time, older times. Tom's son. But I don't think new fur will always be applicable. One would hope. Heck, I don't consider myself too new anymore. I was hoping I could get some insight as to how you two came up with your writing handles, or however you want to word them. I'm trying to think of something interesting for myself, but I don't want to ask for straight-up suggestions. Well, you know, not like Pyro, then. <laughs> anyway, y'all <laughs> I think, think maybe it was Pyro's experience that discouraged him from asking yeah. for straight-up suggestions. Maybe. <laughs> I also have another guest who are friendly otters initials. Why is friendly in quotation marks? <laughs> Either he's being sarcastic or he thinks I'm a slut. Moke. You are quite friendly. You are not a frog, uh, but it is also Tsugaruben dialect, and it ends with an M in Romaji, or begins with M in Romaji. How did I do? If I'm wrong, can I ask one question regarding the M? Is it in English or Japanese? If it's the latter, standard Japanese? I don't know why I'm tripping over this so much, but I feel I must know. I will point out that all of the guesses I've gotten for what the M is have been Japanese words. And if you listen to the original podcast where I say what it stands for, I never said that the M is Japanese. I'm not saying that it isn't, but I never said that it is. And I find it interesting that's what all the guesses have been. 
Thanks for your time, guys. Keep up the amazing work, both in podcast and writing. New fur. Honestly, I don't it think amuses it's... me that uh, people lose sleep over that. Yeah. <laughs> what does I, the I, M mean? I, I don't think it's. <laughs> I don't think it's all that inexplicable, given that the K is Japanese and your last name is Japanese. I think it's a pretty safe assumption for people. To That's make. a good point. But like Japanese people don't have middle names, though. <laughs> well, they just don't. So it's Matt. No. It's... no. <laughs> Oh, I got this wonderful look of disgust. What's well, funny? Because like, um, I, all right. Well, I can lead into his other part of the question of where my name comes from. Well, he mentions you know the Tsugaru dialect and that region of Japan. Hirosaki is a city from that region of the country. Ta-da! <laughs> well, there you go. Um, Kyle is a name that uh, I think I've said before. I just um, I just kind of came up with. I don't know. I don't yeah. really know where it came from. There's a sketch that I've got in some old box somewhere um, that a friend did of a kind of sexy-looking fox, and I, for whatever reason, wrote Kyle underneath it the way it's spelled. And then when it came time for me to... It was actually like not too long after that. It was a couple years after that, or a year or so maybe, that uh, I was like, hey, I'm not sure I want to post this porn story under my real name. And uh, Kit and I talked about it, and uh, that sketch of the fox was floating around, and it seemed like a natural fit because he, of course, you know, he was a sexy fox. He would write naughty stories, and uh, I think I picked gold out of the phone book. But I like the connotations. It's not like a <laughs> Semitic thing. No, no, dude. <laughs> what I'm, I'm trying not, to bring hilarious racism not, back in for you, Tommy. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm hilarious. not Jewish, but I might be kosher. <laughs> you are not kosher. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't mix meat with. Never mind. Yeah, don't, gonna, no, don't, no good don't way to finish that. that. <clears throat> Don Rio, how did you come up with your handle? Here's a better question: How do you think I came up with it? <laughs> I think you were an anime fag and <laughs> kind of turned your name into an anime fag name. <laughs> Boy, that was really accurate. <laughs> Why hide it? There was no, no awesome novel name behind it. My email address is like Don Ryujin because I haven't really found a reason to change it. <laughs> Dude, the email is like 12 years old. Um, no, like I took my uh, my real name Don, my real name Donovan, and I was like. I know, I'm going to be cool. I'll take the... I'll eliminate the end of my name and then replace it with the Japanese term for dragon. Don Ryu. It's creative! And then I looked it up on Google and it's an airplane and a type of food. and <laughs> Whatever, but anyway... It's also kind of difficult to pronounce. Yeah, people have been calling me Donaru, and it, they go up looking for like a kangaroo. A kangaroo. <laughs> Donaru. But my friend Thorn... Uh, I got to who I got to meet at uh, in Atlanta because she she knew uh, the animation teacher I knew and both of both of us taught her. But anyway, she drew a kangaroo version of me on a whiteboard and it was hysterical. But it's just Don Ryu, and I have no real association to that name other than like, well, I don't really feel like changing it. You have to rebrand yourself. Well, the thing is, that's never really mattered. I keep producing artwork, and yeah. the name is just something so that you know where it's coming from. So, the content is always justified by the person, not the name. Um, my one suggestion for 
Mr. Newfer, in choosing a handle for yourself would be not to take a handle from any work of fiction you particularly like or a video yeah. game or anything like that because um, the people that I know who have taken their initial names from yeah. from other sources, from they other, it other material, yeah, you end up regretting it later, especially if you want to use it in association with stuff you're doing. Yeah. It just becomes problematic. So just, you know, you make up names for stories – Think about your character, make up a name for your character, and then just start using it. And if it works, it'll start feeling right. No, no, no. Actually, so he doesn't say what his persona is, like what species. No. I mean, if he wants a name, we'll uh, send us send us your species and some details, and we'll make up a name for you. You can join the ranks of the Fenrirs. <laughs> <laughs> All 1,200 of them. I think, he's, I think he's a mouse. Really? I think so. Uh, a mouse or a rat? I can't remember enough which. Mice but and I rats. Think no, no. What I you want to do is take any we one of the Dragon Ball Z cast names, start that, and then just take a stereotypical furry word and then apply numbers. So you know, Goku Mer forty two, <laughs> and that'd be your name. It'd be great. I the next time I need a screen name and a story I write, I'm using Goku Mer forty two. Don't take that name because honestly, your 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 lower appendages will fall off just <laughs> by having that name. Your body will reject you. We have we have a Foos rat and we have a Nicodemus rat. We do two rat listeners, and there might be more. Yeah. Um, but I think he is. I think he is. Um, anyway, yeah, send us another letter. We'll come up with something. All right, one more kit. All right, one more small. Yes. Oh, this is this is small. Uh, this is from Theorian, reporting back as per requested um, probably many episodes ago. Yes. He writes, I somehow knew that Don't Ask wouldn't save me from having to explain the situation, but I by no means mind giving you the details. Now, I will be perfectly honest, I'm like 18, so my friends and me, as you'd expect, mostly talk about pretty much everything that has to do with sex. We're not 18 and we still do that. Yeah, honestly, you don't grow out of that. It's so fun. We've been having this <laughs> ongoing discussion... On whether you, if you could go back in time and have sex with yourself, would it be considered gay or masturbation? Majority of my friends are at least bi, with the occasional straight boy, my best girl's date, but even one of them said he could, if he could go back in time, he would indeed do himself. That's pretty much the gist of the situation. Oh, and just for the record, we still haven't reached a conclusion to this, and I don't think we ever will. Feel free to contribute. I would gladly like to hear your opinions on the subject. Oh my god, this question will never die. <laughs> For the record, I would say, I would say it's gay. Um, do the balls touch? Because it's not gay unless the balls touch. Well, I don't think it's masturbation because unless you are actually feeling it in both bodies at the same time. Now you're thinking with portals. That was going to come up. I foresaw this happening. I knew this would come up. <laughs> portals, portals would happen. Um, I'm so sorry, that's my so that's my ruling. What's your ruling? Now, I, I, I'm actually going to say it's gay. You're performing a sex act on another male, it's gay. Even if it's you, it's right. still gay. Or another person of same gender in the yeah. case of the girls. Oh, true. Yeah. Don Ryu? Well, if you're on the bottom, it's gay. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're on the top, you're still doing a dude. So, yeah, it's gay. Stop worrying about it. All right. I reiterate my desire to have John Rio on every podcast. I, I agree with that. I think we should make that happen. I think it'd be interesting to be bitch to yourself. I mean, I'm just saying. 
You can take turns. <laughs> well, the, the, be the, the, the true definition of a switch, it just wouldn't matter who was on top or bottom, it'd still be the same. Not that I have a headache. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> the amusing thing is, if it was time travel, then you'd remember being both. And then you'd have age play, it- and that'd be another <laughs> set of morals you could violate. Kit is, Kit is shaking his head and doing the roll your eyes expression. So, <laughs> Kit doesn't want to have to edit this. Our, uh, it already our has special guest has been Don Ryu, who can be found on FA under his anime fag name, D-O-N-R-Y-U. And that's anime fag, <laughs> no. as in Japanese animation. It's okay, um, Flane is a sonic fag. But, uh, I know, I made fun of him at length for that. Uh, <laughs> but Don Ryu does awesome artwork. He takes commissions and sketches on a regular basis. That is how he lives. So if you do not want him to die, you will go to his FA page and get sketches from him. Because also he's awesome. And please don't leave comments like, uh, too bad I don't have the money. That never helps. <laughs> it really doesn't. And, because uh, I wasn't waiting on you. Particularly. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that person doesn't have the money? Screw commissions. I'm leaving. <laughs> and you can also follow him on Twitter at DomRyuArt. Um, anything else people should know about you? Uh, I'm a dude. He is. I got nothing else. If you want, if you want to know anything, just ask. And if I don't feel like answering, I'll tell you. <laughs> All right. I'm good. All right. You're Cam Hirosaki on Twitter and Live Journal and FA. And FA. That's right. Thank I you. I am Kyle on FA. Kyle Gold on Twitter. Kyle Gold on Live Journal. We're unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com, which is where you can send all of your many varied letters and correspondence for us to read sometime this summer. Um, these letters are from, like, November, so we're we're catching up. Catching up, catching up. <laughs> <laughs> I just did that to mess with Don Ryu. Uh, to thank him. Why? <laughs> for coming on our podcast and making it so lively and entertaining. Thank you all for listening. Thank, Thank you for you. writing in your letters. We love you all. Thank you again for the sonnet. Good night. Keep writing. <laughs>